Welcome to Almost Here, Round the Corner Future Technology Podcasts with Richard Jacobs. Future technologies poised to transform our lives for better or worse are the focus of this podcast. Almost Here means these technologies are now here and starting to be used or just around the corner from Bitcoin to artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more. Hi, this is Richard Jacobs with the Future Tech Podcast. I have as my guest Ryan Scott the founder of CryptBroker.io. That's the website. Ryan, how are you doing? Good. How are you today? Good. Thanks for coming. I appreciate it. Um, so can you tell listeners, you know, what does CryptBroker do? What are some of the services you guys provide? So CryptoBroker um, by itself is essentially a brokerage for cryptocurrencies. Um, our goal is to essentially offer an alternative to the current exchanges where people can come to us and we'll eventually route all of the orders to the other exchanges to give them the best cost average price, um, among other things that we're going to be doing. So that's really interesting. So, you know, I've used Poloniex, Bittrex, Cryptopia, et cetera. So you want to, you want to have it where I'd send you my orders instead and you'd route them on the, you'd get them done in the exchanges because you can get it done what faster or have cleaner executions. What's what's the reason? Well, right now um, in the cryptocurrency space, you have you know a, a lot of different exchanges out there. Uh, there's some main ones that have large volume, but you'll notice that there's different prices on different exchanges. Um, so if you are somebody that's you know potentially doing a large order, um, you may get you know a higher price on one of the exchanges. So our our goal is to route you know, uh, orders to these exchanges to give you, I guess, a better price um, to save you having to register on multiple exchanges, do KYC on all those exchanges, um, deposit to all those exchanges. You'll just deposit to one exchange and we'll do all the work for you in the back end. That's really interesting. That's great. Yeah, because having multiple accounts is a pain. And like you said, the AML KYC requirements, but so you must be interacting with the APIs of X number of exchanges to do these trades. On exactly. behalf, right? Exactly. How do you how do you move money onto and off of the exchanges fast enough for people, or you know, how long does it take? What if I'm doing a Bitcoin, you know, uh, swap or transaction? Uh, how fast can you get it done versus me doing it myself on an exchange? So the benefit with the uh, cryptocurrencies is that we can deposit and withdraw pretty. Uh, quickly, uh, it's not like with banks, uh, you know, having to do wire transfers. Um, so, you know, it's it's about the same as somebody else going to one of these exchanges. Um, difference being that we're going to be able to, um, you know, do all that work for you. You don't have to log into five different exchanges um, and then, you know, calculate your orders and all that fun stuff. Because um, by the time you do it, there's a chance that uh, that price is no longer valid. So that's kind of where our technology comes in. Like you said, we'll be using a lot of their APIs. Um, currently, we're set up with two exchanges. Um, we do need to, you know, work on the speed of the transactions, submitting them, uh, guaranteeing them, and then uh, with regards uh, to the actual, um, you know, exchanges providing um, liquidity, uh, we have our own float that we're basically providing to our customers. Um, so if you're doing a deposit with us for, you know, uh, U.S. dollars, Canadian dollars. Uh, currently, we're going to focus on Canadian dollars because of the regulatory um, burden with, uh, you know, KYC and AML in the U.S. Um, we're going to have our own float sitting in the exchanges already. 
Now we have to wait for the deposits or wire transfers to clear before we can credit a customer's account. But once it's cleared on our end, on our banking end, then we're just going to use our own float. Where does the money sit? Let's say I have, um, you know, five BTC in my account with you guys and I want to buy it. Um, you know, I want to put half of it into Ethereum and I tell you to execute the trade, sell two and a half BTC, buy Ethereum, the equivalent. Where does the the money sit? Does it sit in your account or does it sit on the exchange where you did the transaction or where does it go? So we have a bit of a, an algorithm that essentially puts uh, 50% of it into cold storage, just as a kind of a safe, as our kind of like an insurance so that we're protecting most of the users' funds. And then we're using our own float in some of the exchanges. We also split up uh, some deposits to the exchanges. So we'll, you know, you make a, a one Bitcoin deposit, um, 10% will go to one exchange and another 10% to another exchange and so forth. And uh, the rest will go into cold storage. But when it's when I do a transaction, let's say I, I buy, um, you know, one Bitcoin, where can I go and can I, do I then withdraw that money if I want to from your exchange or where Correct. does it sit? Okay. Correct. So it's all interfaced through our exchange, through our brokerage. Um, ultimately, we would be doing some, you know, moving money around in the back end. Most of the time, we're using our own float. Um, we do have a hot wallet in the exchange. So essentially, depending on the transaction size and the amount that you're wanting to withdraw, uh, there may be a slight delay due to the fact that we've got to move money from you know one of these other exchanges. Uh, if it's a small transaction, you know half a bitcoin, one bitcoin, um, we'd have enough float in our hot wallet to be able to facilitate that. This is a really cool idea. Um, so would I be able to put in an order that says, "Buy me, um, you know, Ethereum at the lowest price you can find out there." Could I do an order like that or could I do an arbitrage one where I say I want to buy Ethereum at the lowest price and then I want to resell it on another exchange you know, right away? We don't currently have um, an arbitrage mechanism. Um, that's one of the reasons I, I kind of started this is, um, you know, I've been playing in the space since 2012. Uh, we've done a, a number of arbitrage strategies, uh, whether it's statistical arbitrage or just straight arbitrage uh, between exchanges. Uh, one of the other projects that I'm working on is CryptoBank. Um, so down in the States, you guys have uh, TD Ameritrade. Uh, up in Canada here, we have uh, TD Waterhouse. So mm-hmm. I used to do banking um, with a number of banks in Canada. Unfortunately, due to uh, banking issues, as we've all seen with Bitfinex and some of these other exchanges having issues, um, I've been shut down by three out of the five major banks in Canada for no real good reason other than uh, they deem, you know, Bitcoin or cryptocurrency too high risk for them to get involved. Um, So I actually started uh, another project that's kind of intertwined with Crypto Broker uh, called Crypto Bank. Um, So Crypto Bank... One quick question. Yeah, yeah. Before we get into that, were you shut down personally or you were shut down as your business? Both. Both. I was uh, operating a... You know, uh, I was selling on local bitcoins. I've been, you know, selling bitcoins just uh, in person for many of years. I always did, uh, you know, below the threshold in Canada. We have a little bit different uh, rules when it comes to bitcoin than in the states. Um, technically, we don't actually require KYC for doing bitcoin transactions. Um, and even though I was following KYC AML uh, policies and I wasn't selling anyone more than three thousand dollars in a twenty-four hour period. 
And I was, you know, providing the banks with all of the receipts and doing, you know, a couple of things that I learned over the years to make sure that there was no fraud. Um, you know, I operated this account um, for about a year before they actually caught on because transaction volume ramped up and we were doing quite a bit per month. Then they w- called me into the bank, asked me more questions. Um, you know, I kind of avoided telling them the full truth. I just told them, you know, I was selling digital products online. They had no problem with that in the beginning. And then eventually they they caught on that it was Bitcoin. And I did not have one fraudulent transaction, never had a problem with uh, the bank. I was paying ridiculous fees every month to have that cash account. Um, and they still, you know, after a year, um, got rid of me just for really no good reason. Um, and that was in, that included my business and my personal accounts. So they, they shut down your business and your personal accounts. They literally closed them. Yep, literally closed them, uh, cashed out my my money, and I had to go elsewhere. Um, you know, I've tried to go to credit unions. I've tried to go all sorts of different banks. Um, I do have a banking relationship currently. I'm not going to say who, just to to protect that relationship at this point in time. Of course. Um, but it's it's not an easy space to navigate. I spent more time in the banks dealing with this than I did running my business, which was uh, frustrating. Um, it's crazy. And it's not just, it's not just the crypto space. I mean, I've talked to people, uh, during my travels, you know, uh, the e-cigarette space, um, there's, there's a number of businesses, even the cannabis industry, um, which is technically legal in certain states or certain, uh, areas. And even the banks won't deal with them, um, just because they deem it too high risk or they don't want to be affiliated with that business. Um, so it's... Yeah, it's frustrating as an entrepreneur um, when you're trying to, you know, start up a business to have these obstacles in your way. Well, tell me about the um, the other initiative. I, I interrupted you. I'm sorry. The, the crypto yeah, bank. No, no. The crypto yeah, bank? so crypto crypto bank was kind of founded out of this, uh, you know, experience that I had. Uh, it's hopefully going to provide banking services to the unbankable or the underserved. Um, and ultimately, you know, going back to the arbitrage idea, we would love to offer eventually um, crypto funds or arbitrage investment uh, opportunities to people um, that have extra, you know, coins lying around that they're just sitting on and they want to kind of make their money work for them. Uh, similar how you'd go into the bank and you'd purchase a mutual fund. Uh, we want to have, you know, a crypto fund where you can diversify your portfolio and, you know, buy into these cryptocurrencies uh, in, you know, percentages. So you get, you know, 10% Ethereum, 10% this coin, uh, and just kind of have a diversified portfolio without having to, you know, navigate this confusing cryptocurrency space um, and and then have like 50% Bitcoin, right? So we'd have different risk uh, profiles. Uh, If you want a high risk investment or a low risk investment, you can kind of invest based on your, your, your risk uh, uh, appetite, per se. Hmm. Okay. Would it interface with a traditional bank or credit union, or it's just your own initiative? No. Yeah, it's my own initiative. It's completely different. Um, You know, I've got to be careful uh, on some of the ideas that I have right now on on how I, you know, present them. Uh, Because obviously right now, during this stage in the business, we do need to have some sort of banking relationship. 
Um, but I would love to decentralize it as much as possible. And uh, there's some ideas that I want to implement into some smart contracts and some of these decentralized exchanges. Um, there's a gentleman that runs a Bitcoin futures exchange uh, called CoinPit. And they have an interesting platform that we could potentially leverage um, for uh, executing some of these smart contracts. So I don't want to get into too much detail uh, and give it all away before it's developed. But um, there's some ideas that we want to implement using that. Is this, you know, you had so much trouble with traditional banks. Is this why um, it's hard to have an exchange that will also, um, well, that will be a fiat gateway? It seems like the most difficult position to be in is to be a fiat gateway to crypto. It is very difficult. Um, that's one of the, the troubles that we're facing um, right now. Crypto broker, um, you know, I do over-the-counter deals with people that I know in the space, um, but it's something that we're still deciding on whether or not we want to um, integrate right off the bat. Um, crypto broker right now is still in, in beta. So it's very difficult. Um, you know, we want to integrate with, uh, you know, the, we have to integrate with the banks. We have to be affiliated with the banks in some sense. Um, but long term, we're hoping that we can find partners in the payment processing space um, that we can work with um, and kind of act as a middleman for us. So essentially with the, the banks uh, integrating with uh, Fiat, um, we're going to be you know, we have some partnerships that we can work with, um, but long term, it's I don't know what to say really regard with regards to that. It's uh, something that we're still navigating, something that we're still learning. Um, somebody like Bitfinex, who had really good banking relationships um, for a very long time, uh, all of a sudden, you know, overnight was kind of interrupted. Um, it's something yep. that we think I, I personally think this is a personal statement. Um, that the banks are using that kind of tactic to kind of block Bitcoin potentially. Um, they're, they're also very scared of the risk that's, um, you know, anti-money laundering and, and fraud and all that stuff. It is a huge cost to their business to, to manage all of that. If we can get yeah, it's something... Far better for, uh, it's far better for banks like Wells Fargo to create millions of fictitious accounts and charge fees than to, to deal with the evil Bitcoin. <laughs> Well, that, yeah, and it's it's frustrating. Maybe we'll get something in place that will allow them to feel more confident um, in dealing with us, uh, like with regards to uh, our KYC and AML policies being in place with theirs, and then they'll be happy because they can pass the liability onto the the business. But as of right now, they're obligated to, um, you know, cover cover their their uh, liabilities and they don't want to get stuck with uh, some money laundering. Although HSBC and some of these other banks have got caught doing things that they shouldn't be doing, um, but they don't care because they're making more than what the fines cost them. So it, it really comes down to individual banks, um, what they're willing to do. I know some of the credit unions, um, you know, in Canada are open to the idea, but then they also have obligations and insurance uh, policies in place that, you know, they have to watch what they're doing. They're also limited because they don't have as much, um, uh, they're, they're not as, they have to have as much assets on the books as they do have liabilities. So they're a little bit more careful with what they do, um, to protect their, their members. Yeah. yeah. So 
It, it's a very hard area to uh, navigate right now, the fiat currency side. So we're we're currently integrated with um, cryptocurrency only on Crypto Broker. We're currently dealing with uh, our beta launch. Uh, we're still kind of playing around with the, the brokerage side of things, making sure things are running smoothly uh, before we really, you know, do a big, uh, you know, grand opening launch kind of deal. Um, so we're still on the test network and uh, for the cryptocurrencies. Uh, we want people to kind of come to the the site, kind of play around with it, make sure things are running, our throughput's good, that orders are executing, and uh, and then we'll look at integrating with more coins and adding them as we go. Gotcha. Okay. And the third initiative I saw on the website uh, talked about mining mining pools. What, what's that about? So with the mining pools, uh, essentially I started as a Bitcoin miner back in 2012. Um, when I first got into the space before the first block reward got halved. And uh, I was playing around with other coins at that time. Um, and I essentially started developing or playing around with some uh, P2 pool mining. I don't know if you've ever heard of that. Uh, so P2 no, pool what is it? peer-to-peer mining pool. So essentially you set up a, a node, um, you mine to that node, and then it also connects to other nodes. And mine together as one big pool but it's de- it's a decentralized pool and i personally loved it unfortunately um it does take some you know technology or um, some you know understanding of how to run these nodes just like running a bitcoin uh, node and ultimately it didn't really succeed very well because of some inefficiencies in it um so i didn't really continue with that and i started up uh a mining company doing uh, cloud mining to help people that wanted to get into mining but didn't have the technology uh, to do it. And that was uh, Knights of the Satoshi. And we started with that. And it was just kind of around the time that Ghash had the 51% attack um, or had the capability to do it or was getting close to it. Uh, we kind of came out with that to say, you know, Knights of the Satoshi were the defenders of the Satoshi. And kind of like Knights of the Round Table. Nobody's at the head of the table. So played around with that space a bit and then got into uh, a couple other mining ventures, set up our own uh, data center for a little while there. That got a little bit more complex. So we uh, shut that down and I ended up just outsourcing a lot of the hosting. And since then um, is when I started developing CryptoBank to automate a lot of this stuff. And now I've set up a mining pool because we want to kind of create an entire ecosystem uh, for the cryptocurrency space. Being in the space, being a heavy user of cryptocurrency, uh, I find that I'm using, you know, 20, 30 sometimes. You know, it's just uh, the amount of accounts that I have set up um, to do things in cryptocurrency because everyone specializes in one thing uh, has kind of gotten to the extreme side of things. So if I want to do, you know, trading, I've got like 10 different accounts. If I want to do mining, you know, there's 10 different places to go. Uh, We want to kind of create that one-stop shop, that entire ecosystem where miners can, you know, send their their mining power to our mining pool. And then a lot of these crypto uh, altcoin miners or cryptocurrency miners are mining these cryptocurrencies and then auto-converting them or sending them over to an exchange to convert to Bitcoin. So we want to give them the ability to mine on our pool and then auto convert that, you know, reward that they get into Bitcoin or whatever other cryptocurrency they want. 
the benefit to doing it with us is that they're not going to have to wait for the confirmation times that they would if they're mining on another pool because they're going to have to send the coins from that mining pool to an exchange. The exchange is going to require a certain amount of confirmations. Whereas if once the reward's confirmed with our mining pool, then we, being custodians of the, the coins, we would be able to auto-sell for them. Wow. Okay. Pretty ambitious. So is the um, <clears throat> consolidation of everyone's effort and accounts and compliance issues the main reason why you're creating all these initiatives, why you have CryptoBank, or is it crypto exchange or is it another reason what do you think would be the biggest benefits to people you probably already said it but what do you see them as the biggest benefits i guess the biggest benefit i mean the reason i I created crypto bank um is to kind of hopefully simplify things for people like my grandfather and my dad and other people that hold coins um will be able to use you know cryptocurrency without having to understand how to run a full node uh or or you know download a wallet sync the blockchain all that fun stuff. Uh, so we created Crypto Bank for that initiative, I guess. And then Crypto Broker is going to be for more of the uh, savvy cryptocurrency guys that are, are wanting to trade. And then we're hoping to in- integrate um, hardware wallets that will allow people to kind of manage their own uh, private keys. Now, obviously, if they're wanting to exchange or do anything, use any of our services, they are going to have to transfer that uh, ownership or you know the private key over to us or do an internal transaction uh, between their private key to our private key so that we can facilitate, you know, the the trade or uh, they want to invest into the arbitrage fund or the crypto fund or any of these other things that we're working on. uh, We will need to have some sort of a custodianship over it. Uh, Are you you worried that if this gets going and has big momentum, first of all, you might have a tremendous float if you start getting lots of customer accounts and money, and then will you become a honeypot and a, a large attack surface for hackers, you know, for various reasons? Definitely. That's a, that's a huge concern. Um, that's why, you know, I've been so hesitant to launch uh, some of these initiatives right now. Uh, we want to make sure that the technology is in place, the security is there. Uh, we have certain, you know, things in place that essentially protect us or at least minimize the attack surface. And doing things like uh, hardware wallet integration, uh, using cold storage to protect a majority of the customer's funds, uh, things like that will help us hopefully minimize that attack surface. But uh, it, it's definitely a concern and something that we need to work towards uh, protecting. Now, one of the things that I would, uh, that I'm currently trying to work on and, and potentially get some developers on this. Uh, is setting up what's called a hyper-deterministic wallet um, with multi-signature capabilities. So that way we can manage all of the public keys on a live server, and then all the private keys will be actually stored offline. Um, and then we'll, as a company, we'll be required to do multi-sigs uh, between board members and you know myself uh, in order to process some of these transactions. So there may be, like I mentioned earlier, we'll have a limited hot wallet. So if it's a small transaction, then we'll be able to process that transaction fairly quickly. If it's, you know, a larger transaction, then it's going to require, um, you know, coordination between a number of people in the company, uh, depending on the threshold of the the transaction. Okay. Just just a couple more questions. Because you're a, 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 an up-and-coming exchange and you're going to be working with a lot of exchanges, 
what insights do you have into them that regular users don't have? What have you seen? Maybe are there challenges that people don't appreciate on the outside? Or, you know, again, what do you know that most people don't know about exchanges? Um, I would say, you know, just from a personal side, um, because, you know, most of my experience has just been dealing with them as a a user. Um, I think, you know, especially during this time, uh, people need to appreciate that it, it's not easy running an exchange. Um, there's certain things that people uh, expect, um, you know, fast transactions, fast withdrawals, um, but they also want secure, they want to have their, their coin secured. So you kind of, you know, a, a security uh, advisor once told me that you need to have a balance uh, between usability, security, and uh, forget the other one now. It's like a, a triangle, and you've got to balance that. Um, if you want things to be secure, then they can't be fast. If you want things, you know, the usability there, um, you know, again, you, you compromise on the, the security of things. So it's, it's a balancing act, essentially, with these exchanges. Um, one of the things that we've done personally um, for some of the money that I'm managing is that we split the money across multiple exchanges because if one exchange goes down, you know, we're not losing all of our money. Um, if we have 10%, right. you know, split across 10 exchanges, um, then all of a sudden we're only losing, if one of those exchanges goes down, we're only losing 10%. Um, so, right. you know, you've got to be careful. I mean, I even told somebody today uh, that purchased some Bitcoin you know, they're purchasing a, you know, fairly small amount in the grand scheme of things. But if they're actively trading that money, then it's fine to have it on exchange. But if you're not trading that or you're not um, using it on a daily basis, then you're best to look at, you know, potentially bringing that offline onto a wallet that you control or some sort of hardware wallet that's more secure or even a paper wallet. You know, my grandfather personally uses a uh, a paper wallet. He's got three of them in, in separate locations so that if, you know, the house burn house burns down, uh, he's still got access to his keys. But the only way for somebody to steal that Bitcoin from him is to physically break in, you know, to his house or uh, into the one of the locations that he has this stored. And then on top of that, he still has it password protected uh, using, uh, you know, the encryption on the private key itself. So there's you know, right. different ways to store your current, your cryptocurrency. And, uh, you know, there's a lot to learn in the space. We're hoping to simplify that for customers so that they can log in, you know, they have a, a hardware wallet that links to their account. And the only way to send money out of their web wallet per se, uh, is by signing the transaction using that hardware wallet, um, which a lot of exchanges are looking into. Some of them already have it integrated, but, uh, it's still something that's being you know, further developed and again, that ease of use versus, uh, you know, security thing. Okay. Well, very good. So, you know, last question, what's your roadmap and how can people get more information and start testing and, you know, be beta testers? And Yeah. So right now uh, we basically have the beta exchange running. Uh, if you go to www.cryptobroker.io, I'd be able to sign up for an account. Um, you can use uh, test net coins in there um, because we were running uh, a bunch of test network uh, mining pools when we were first setting up our mining pool. We have a whole bunch of test net coins which I can credit to people's accounts if they want. 
um, or they can get them through some testnet faucets online. Uh, they can shoot me an email at ryan.scott at cryptobroker.io if they have any questions or they want to help out. Um, we're also looking for developers uh, for uh, a couple of different languages because each one of these platforms is built on a separate framework. And uh, so if, they, if any interested developers out there want to, uh, you know, get into the space, um, you know, I do a lot of the development myself, but could always use some help. Uh, they can also get a hold of me at that email that I just mentioned. Okay, very good. Well, Ryan, I appreciate you coming, and I love what you're working on. I, uh, you know, I wish you a lot of success, and I hope that it goes well in the near future. I appreciate your time, and and thanks for having me on the show. You have been listening to Almost Here, around the corner future technology podcast with Richard Jacobs. Subscribe to this podcast, post a review to discover more future technologies that are poised to transform our lives for better or worse, such as Bitcoin, artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more.